the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Robert Graham. It's Friday. Hopefully you've got big plans over the weekend. We are just trying to hang low the best we possibly can. If you've got a big family and a lot of activity during the week, you know exactly what I'm saying. If you get one of those free moments, you cherish every bit of it. Hey, so back to this. I mean, we look at what's going on in the world today with the media. And, you know, one of the top stories today is Donald Trump and the this uh, search warrant that was exercised on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Lots to talk, lots to unpack here as we get there. But I also want to talk about all the other elements that are happening around the world. So one of the things, I was I was downstairs, and we have a little uh, cafe kind of area that's in this building. And the owner down there, he is uh, his ethnicity is Indian, India, and he was born in Ethiopia. And we talked a little bit about the, the regions and kind of what's settled in that part of Africa. Uh, and he grew up in, uh, actually, I believe he grew up most of his life in Tanzania. And so just understanding a little bit of the dynamics there. We, we shared this. We talked about the U.S. We talked about the infrastructure. We, all the blessings. And you see this migration to our country for a country that we care deeply about. And what's interesting is a lot of the assault that we have are people that are assaulting our country from within. People that are supposed Americans that stand there and just thrash on our country, they're able to do so because of these freedoms and the freedom of speech and and such that they've been given and blessed with in this nation. So it's kind of this weird double-edged sword where we're undo ourselves and they put themselves in a compromising spot where you start having censorship and you start having all this cancel culture, the woke culture. You have all these layers and layers of things that are happening. And what happens is it gets scary, right? So it is, um, you don't want to be extinguished. You don't want to be ostracized. You don't want to be put out. Today I had uh, the good fortune. I, I say good fortune. I'm getting ready for a big tournament. Some of you know that I uh, practice jujitsu, and uh, the world championship's coming up. And I have chosen to work out harder than I would ever do as a 50-year-old. And I was in a gym today, and there was a young woman there today. And we got into politics, and I just really was amazed at some of the things she said, in a good way. And where you wouldn't really be able to define her necessarily as a conservative versus uh, a Democrat. And when I say just Democrat, without putting progressive liberal in front of it, some of you may actually remember the day when you had even what we call liberal Democrats, where you could have a conversation with them. You wouldn't agree necessarily with them, but they would have an open dialogue with you. They wouldn't go put call you a racist. They would not go out and key your car because you didn't agree with them or slap some kind of uh, label on you to try to put you in a corner. They would have an intelligent conversation with you. Again, 99.9% of the time, you probably wouldn't agree. But if nothing else, you gain perspective. So we had this discussion, and she went into some of these factors um, with women and some of the, these campaigns against men in this country, this gender dynamic that's happening here, where they're just confusing the world. They are changing people so that they are so confused by sexuality, by gender, uh, our roles as it relates to society. And you get into trouble if you even talk about roles today, saying a man's role could be, a female's role could be, a couple's role could be as a married couple and so on. Marriage between one man and one woman, what a concept, okay? So we get there and we understand the logistics, the God-given direction that we've been given in so many different ways. 
And people just are pushing back. So you look at morality, you look at virtue, you look at things that are righteous, you look at things that are of good character. It seems like today that if you espouse any of those, you get demonized. Okay, you may recall uh, months ago, my daughter, Faith, she attended the American University in D.C. Now, the American University in D.C., is the most liberal school in the United States. We were not told that. We had an academic advisor. We did our research. We did our visit. We did all that kind of stuff. But they just kind of put a nice little glossy feel over this. Now, this isn't a cheap university. This is a private school. And I will tell you that uh, in, a, in a year, it's probably $70,000 a year, $85,000 a year to go there. So you've got people that are investing a lot of money in their kids and the kids' future, or the individual student is investing a lot in their futures. And you get there, and I just can't tell you enough about how scary this is. Now, this is a movement that's happening in the country. The Berkeley folks knew of American College and its proximity to Washington, D.C., and their influence with some of their great programs. They have a program called CLEG. I think it stands for Communication, Law, Economics, and Government. And so what they're doing is they're conditioning and propping people up by way of education and experience to be administrators, to help associate to help assist the president, to help assist mayors and governors, how to help with Congress, how to become one of those people and be administrators in a number of different ways. So there was a valuable platform. They have law school as well. And it was, and it had some good, I would say, credibility in the marketplace as a whole when it came to universities. The last 30 years, that's changed, okay? There's been a very open campaign to just crush it. And we've seen this in a lot of very good schools that had good name, Good name ID. Now today you're thinking, I would never send my kids to any of these places because they're nuts. So my daughter shows up there, and one of the first things they did is they had to write the pronouns on a piece of paper to tape it on the front of their dorm rooms, okay? Now, she's a girl, and one of the simple things that I do, and this may be offensive to somebody on the phone or on the radio today, but I tell my kids, and you may have heard me say this before, boys have Audis, girls have innies. You know, there's just a simple genetic factor here that is not something that you can ignore. It is what it is. So my daughter, again, not being antagonistic, but just kind of worn out, she writes the word sheesh across her pronouns. Okay, so that's going to offend somebody for sure. Okay, so she does it, and that's where she is. Sheesh. And she has a number of definitions associated with that today. But so it kind of starts setting the stage. She played the cross for American University. When they huddled up as a team, they had to identify themselves and what their genders were. Now, this is a female lacrosse team. And one of her teammates, just to give you an example, scored a goal. And she was like, all right, girl, go, girl. And another teammate looked at and goes, she's a he. And Faith's like, but she's a, she's a she. And like, no, 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 she defines herself as a he. So Faith's like, go, girl. I mean, she just can't even get her head around it. It wasn't that she was trying to be offensive or try to push against this young woman, man, him, shim, whatever it is, trying to define themselves. She just fundamentally can't find her way to this, okay? So again, Faith not being antagonistic, but definitely being a supporter. She was um, assistant digital press secretary to Paul Gosar. So she went over there as an intern, then she transitioned to staff, and she had a big role with what they called the Gosar Minutes. And so these are just one little minute that uh, the congressman wanted to make sure that was reported. And then herself and another couple of team members would produce this, and she would sometimes be the anchor or the voice or the vision on this. And so, again, having this 
uh, very public disposition and a social media influencer, everybody on that little campus started to know. She would walk across campus. People point at her. They would talk about her. She would sit in the lounge of the dormitories studying with friends and have four or five people sit down, just stare at her. And then when she would look up, they would say, why are you here? You don't belong here. And they would start to rip into her and stuff. And then the friend, couple friends, if they were around, were, if they were brave enough, they would defend. But if they defended her, then they became targets as well. So there's even video. If you go online and you look up Faith Graham and Gosar Minutes on YouTube, you'll find a video where she actually has a mob show up to her dorm room and they thrash on her. Okay, they thrash on her dorm they're calling her out. They're screaming profanities. It is insane. So the RAs and some of the floor people chase those people away. The next mob, minutes later, comes back. It's much larger, and they continue to do that. Campus security is called. Administrators are notified. All this. Guess what happened? Nothing. They didn't break any laws, so the security couldn't do much, but they did break a whole bunch of student conduct rules which would be expellable, okay, and nothing happened. She went in during this. Now, remember, this is lead-up to this mob. Before, she every week her car, one time she went out to her car, she had chewed gum stuck all over her car. She had a Trump sticker on the car. She had spray paint on the Trump sticker. They, they vandalized her car. They wrote on it with markers. They did a whole bunch of stuff almost every single week. No video cameras in the parking garage because the liberal students said that wasn't good. None of their police officers carried any kind of firearms or defense mechanisms. Because it, wasn't, it wasn't a good thing you know, to do if somebody had to address or, or there could be some violence of some sort of a police officer had to actually enforce some law there. And so when she went in to meet with the dean of students and, and they talked about this, she didn't initiate it. Somebody else that was a teacher heard this thing that was going on and he asked her if she needed counseling. That's it. That was the solution. She turned it, which I'm really proud of her, and said, hey, you know, why don't we do a service project here? Our, obviously, our student body is disconnected and fragmented. You have uh, this underground conservative thing here where people can't speak their mind. You've got this, uh, this other group of people that are assaulting them. Why don't we do a service project? Because we're American universities. Let's be Americans first and go out and do something in the community like Habitat for Humanity, do a food drive, do a clothing drive, do something where we're visible as a university, and it's the American way, and maybe we can build some relationships that way. The administrator basically patted her on the back, said, that's that's an interesting idea, I, I don't know, and that's when he offered, do, do you need counseling? And she was just like dumbfounded. But this is, this is kind of what's rolling through every aspect of our communities. So we come back, we're going to unpack a number of things. You've got Mar-a-Lago, but all of this is from this woke cancel culture, the tolerant, the tolerant, right? The coexisting people, everybody that says, hey, we need to just work this together. It's all happening. It's a plan. So let's talk about that and we'll come back to that after the break. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham filling in for Seth Leibson today. Hopefully you're having a great day today. And we're touching it. We're hitting it. It's the cancel culture. It's the woke culture. It's the apology for being white culture that's pushing so hard on everybody and making it almost unlivable. But again, it's it's the conditioning of America. And it is something that if people keep accepting it, it is going to be the the rule of the, the, the day. And it's, it's getting to a point now where it's completely 
out of control in so many places. There's some areas where the cancel culture has kind of turned a bit because they're starting to cancel each other. And they're going, hey, wait a minute, this is not so friendly. And they're moving things. You've seen Vogue reporters that have been tossed for something they did 13, 14, 15, 20 years ago, what have you. And some of these people that were actually really, really, really toxic. And they're saying, hey, you didn't used to be toxic. So those things you wrote before, you can't be a writer with us anymore. And they're taking them out. So we've seen this kind of trend happen a bit, but it's still just out of control in our universities. It's Forget about education. But now they're going all into this culture, the social dynamics. They're not going into real legitimate uh, strategies, uh, skill sets, how to communicate and how to be the best you can possibly be. Hey, we've got Dana holding here. Dana, thank you very much for holding. And I have some um, something to follow up on with my uh, little sweetheart Faith's experience there with American University. Yeah. So it's not just um, universities. I learned something yesterday from my daughter's charter school about Title IX that I didn't mm. know. And apparently... They, by law, if a transgender student goes, because they're doing an overnight trip for their senior year, if they go on an overnight trip, as long as the parents of the non-transgender students agree, the transgender student can stay with students of... Of their defined sex, what they define, right? They're going to allow, they're going to allow a minor with a penis to share a room with two minors with vaginas. Yep. And they said because it's the law. It is. And see, this is the part that when a lot of times I I mean, I met somebody today and they said they just don't get involved in politics. But they were very upset about all the things that are happening around. See, this is why it's essential to get the right people elected and make sure that we keep a watch on what's going on. This is a law, but there are even at the school district levels, the public school district levels, even in some of our charter schools today, that have every intention to protect and defend against all this craziness happening. There are some things where they're absolutely constrained. So if they deviate away, if they go to what we would consider logical, smart ways of thinking, then they get in trouble. They get in trouble. They get fined. There's a whole bunch of things that happen as it relates to it, and, and they can even be shut down. So you're right, and it's this is one of the big challenges. But these are minors. I know. And where where are my child's rights in that? In our house, boys and girls don't sleep in the same bed together, that's and right. they don't yeah. do that until they're married. And that's the values that we're instilling in our children. Well, who is the school to parade that in front of my kid? And make my kid accept it that it's something that's fine and dandy when it's clearly not. So here's And then you have the charter school who says, well, we value honesty and integrity. Right. Well, what honesty are we talking about here? Because yep. we don't even have the same idea of what's true. See, this, this is where it gets so... This is why you feel like you're constrained. So we talk about the left. And what the left does, they chip away at whatever their mission is. Okay, now I'm talking about the progressive left, the people that hate America, that are trying to undo things, they're redefining everything. When, they, when there was conversations about the he, she, them, they, they are, all that stuff, I thought it was crazy, never going to happen. Now, here it is, okay? It's happening to us. But what happens is if we don't unify, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and put together a really strong fortification or intentional to stop this type of stuff, it's madness. Look, you have a school. Let's say your charter, and you said your school, but the school has to enforce the law, right? They have to do the best they possible. They can take a stand, and then that, that 
school's going to just deal with whatever they they have to deal with if they take a stand against Title IX. But the reality is, is they're they're enforcing it. So some of these people feel just completely hogtied, like they can't do anything because they're being stopped by all these crazy, absurd laws. I'm with you 100 percent. The other thing that you talk about bathrooms, right, when when they were opening up the bathrooms and that aren't gender specific and such. And there was big uproar of this. Well, well, of course, there is now, like especially with the gender identification. How do we know that you just didn't want to use the bath? You say oh, I identify as a woman and you fly into a female bathroom and there's your daughter with a grown man that's in the bathroom. And what are you going to do to him? Hey, this is a female. Yeah, I know this is a woman's bathroom. That's how I feel today. I mean, it can literally get to that point where it's, you can't even challenge it sometimes. So all this logic. And, and another thing to say, Dan, this is hard. Like this has been a hard consideration for our family. This is where homeschool is grown like crazy, 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 because you can control the environment that your children are in and who they're interacting with. And some people have partnered up and they have like these little mini homeschool where there might be four or five different families that are that are doing this together to help socialize their children. But in a home like mine, it's very difficult, given the disparity of age I have or that I've got a big polarized 23 all the way down to 11 years old. And it's hard to homeschool when you have such a huge spread as far as the education and such and and doing it. So it has put us all in a very, very compromising spot. But this is back to if the administrators, if you go public with this and start doing this, it's guaranteed that the media and this left movement will target you. Okay, they'll start calling people names. Well, they already have targeted my daughter at school. She has no friends at school because she won't play the game with the lies. So they've all stunned her yep. and alienated her. And we're talking about a high school class of maybe 30 kids. Yeah, it's amazing. So yeah. the kids are already doing it to each other. They're, right. they, they're better at it even than the adults are. They are. And it, well, they've been taught, right? And where and are just the sh- adults? They're non-existent. Well, where's the adult that says, we're just going to put the trans kid in his own hotel room. And then everybody's fine. There's no chance that anybody can be physically assaulted by someone of the opposite sex. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's always the potential. Always. So where's the adult that stands up and says, mm, yeah, you can just have your own room? Yep. Yeah, there's been... Those are choices so they can choices. make. Yeah. Why don't they make those choices on behalf of the non-trans students? Is, is, I guess what my big question is, is why... Where are the adults? See, what you're doing is you are combining... <laughs> judgment with law and there's right now this isn't a judge i mean if you look at most people their judgment they would actually say the same thing you're saying they're saying based upon my life's experiences and what we know to be true this is not a good idea to do this okay separate the the genders and do what you're going to do but in this particular case there again you have this law that says hey you got to just treat them as if they whatever they say they are that's what they are today and it, it is it's tough so i understand your frustration i'll tell you what there's a bunch of people listening right now that I guarantee are nodding their heads. They're pounding their steering wheel. They're pounding their desk, and they're saying exactly the same thing you are because we've lost control of reality, right? We have this we have this reality, and people just want to put all these policies around it and just make it crazy. Do you have any idea what the percentage of transgender people that identify as transgender is in this in this country? It's less than one. What's that? Less than 1%. It's, it's less than a half of 1%. And it's just, when you look at this and you say, my goodness, you know, but again, it's this pressure with a loud voice that puts a system on it. And then you have all these politicians that are that are not strong enough to stand up against 
this loud voice and realize it's not really a big voice. It's a small little group that's got the bullhorn, and, and they just don't do it. So it's back to your character, it's judgment, it's good values, and that's why we have to get the right people elected. Hey, we're heading into a break. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back and more to come. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, again, filling in for Seth Leaps, and hopefully you're having a fantastic day. We just had Dana on and talking about her school, Title IX, and some of the pressure points that are just, quite honestly, despicable. And it and it puts our families in weird predicaments because you might like a school, you don't like the law, they enforce the laws, and then it, puts, it compromises our children and possibly encounter something that would not normally happen because of this gender dynamics. And you've got to ask yourself... You know, a lot of these young people supposedly identifying one way or the other. Do they really know? And when do the natural instincts kick in? And maybe where they compromise some of their choices or somebody else as it relates to a roommate or something like that. So, Dana, we are with you 100 percent. And it's um, and feel your frustration on many, many different levels. And so when we get into this whole kind of movement that's happening around the country, it's again, they're trying to condition us to accept stuff that naturally don't accept. Like, so I was talking to somebody the other day, and again, you may not like my my comments here, and that's okay. I don't think I make everybody happy all the time. But the reality is, is that you could have an alternative lifestyle. And more or less, I just think, okay, you've got your alternative lifestyle, you're going to do what you do. I didn't choose that path for you to do it. I don't have to accept the path. I believe that everybody on this earth is a son and daughter of God, so I will love the person, and I will care about them, and I will accept them as a person. I do not have to accept a certain behavior or a particular that they're doing, and when people push it on me and tell me I have to, that's when I start to say, okay, this is not the way you're going to approach me, and I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to fight back because I have a right to think and believe the way that I do. Remember when we had our the, the folks that the bakers that wouldn't do same-sex marriages and you had the flowers, the flower people that were doing the same thing or florists that were doing the same thing and they would just refused to do different things. And it wasn't that they looked at these people and said, you're just dirtbags. They just said, I can't accept the premise of what you're asking me to provide services for because it's against my religion, for heaven's sakes. It's against the principles and character that I care about. Now, if a whole group of individuals, let's say everybody in that school was perfectly comfortable with this Title IX rule and, you know, the, the opposite genders being in the same room, even if somebody defined themselves as the same gender, it's just if somebody's okay with that, then go ahead and live your life. Do it that way. But there are parents like Dana where she said, you know, they don't allow kids of opposite sex to sleep in their beds together until they're married. I mean, come on. That's, that's some principles that's specific to her home. I can tell you it's very similar to my house. Okay. Because we do not want to compromise our children's virtue and we don't want to put them in situations where they really just don't need the pressure, for heaven's sakes, to try to work themselves through all these things. And lastly, we don't want to we don't want to be hurt. Okay, and again, anybody that suggests that there hasn't been stories where people are getting hurt as a result of some of this push, they're lying to you. Okay, so as we get through this, it's a it's a measurement. It's a reality to get there. Now, if you look at the gender issues if you look at all of the alphabet soup that they've put together, starting with L, and gone all the way through this, you see everything. And they're saying, accept, 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 diversify, accept. Anything that's unusual or it's tweaked, they try to put it in a class associated with the alphabet soup so that everybody says, if you don't 
accept this lifestyle or this person or what have you, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a whatever. And that's the unfortunate reality because then it, then it pulls emotion into the discussion and it does nothing, okay, for the greater good or the best possible outcome for anybody. Okay, it just it just ties up emotion. And if you think about the way the left's been able to progress, as long as we're angry, we're not very good at at fighting. No one is. I mean, like I can tell you, I mentioned earlier that I do martial arts. And one of the number one things, if you don't maintain your composure when you're trying to be strategic in the way to defend or to be offensive with the person that you're standing across, you will lose. You will come apart at the seams. You won't have the energy. You won't have the focus. Anger does nothing. So they do it to us on purpose. And if you don't think that, again, I can give you, and there's a a read, and you've heard of this uh, book, I'm sure, called Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky. And and he teaches how to start the brush fire so everybody gets all in a tailspin and they start to fight each other. It happens. So now you look at this, what happened in American University. You look at this white guilt that's being put on there, saying everybody's a racist. And then they try to promote or push special classes. So that's the other dynamic here. When we look at the Constitution of the United States, it prohibits special classes, right? You can't single an individual out and say, this person gets certain special behavior, just because you can't do that. And that is one of the dynamics that's happening here. So liberalism in the in the progressive sense is has crossed every boundary. It's busted the Constitution. It's done everything. It's drive, driven us into these deep state emotions. And then we have to defend ourselves again. And it feels almost like we can't do anymore. Tolerate tolerance coexist. Biggest lies ever in history those two words as it relates to the bumper stickers so as we crank through life here we're going to again we're going to touch on a number of things that are happening we're talking about immigration we're going to talk about this bill this uh, good inflation reduction act and and you're going to get the the truth about everything hey welcome back everybody this is robert graham and it is friday here on 960 patriot and everywhere in arizona Hopefully you're having a fantastic day and been able to enjoy it. I mean, we've had clouds, we've had rain, we've had some humidity, and we've had a little bit of heat, but it has been a, a pretty nice last couple of weeks. But you can't help but get tied up to this. So one of the I had a client one time that I, I was having a hard time sleeping, and I was in, and she's a very good client, close friend, and we had been talking about every single month, and she just seems you just seem angry all the time. And I said, gosh, I don't, you know, I wasn't being mean to her or anything. I just had an edge, right? And it came down to all the stuff that was going on. This is when President Obama was in office. And it just was like, everything just felt like it was tipping over because it, it, we started to see the fabric unravel very rapidly when uh, President Obama was in office, more so than in, in years prior. And then now we see it just like accelerate off the moon, right? It is going so quickly now. And the things that are happening, it's... It is mind-blowing. But this is where, again, I think this is the, where I believe there's truly a red wave that's coming, and we're doing what we possibly can to stop things. So now here in Arizona, <clears throat> many of you that are listening are here in Arizona. Some I know that are out of state and such that tune in via iHeartRadio and such or the 960 app specifically. But we have this intimate, up-close, and personal look at the border, okay? So when you start thinking about the border, border security. So I was helping Jim Lehman on his Senate campaign and now working to get our nominees elected here in this general election. But one of the things, we polled people and said, what is the number one issue you care about? 
And I was surprised. I mean, I wasn't blown away because I am here in Arizona and feel it intimately. But the border was number one. And it wasn't just border to stop illegal immigrants coming across. It was the human trafficking. It was the drug trade with all the fentanyl and stuff that all the deliveries that China is doing through Mexico to push it through the cartels and push it through our borders. But then there's the national security issue as well. And there's a number of things that would just blow your mind. So Jim Lehman shared a story publicly that I I think is important for you to hear. And then I'll I'll talk about the story because Governor Ducey signed an executive order yesterday that actually is one of the coolest things that I've seen in a long time from any governor that's in a border state. But Jim was down at the wall. He was campaigning. He was with Brandon Judd, who, as you know, is one of the leaders of the uh, the border the border patrols unions and represents a lot of people. And they want they want candidates. They they take people down there that are candidates and lawmakers, and they tour them on the border so they can get an intimate perspective there. Jim had a very intimate perspective and worked very closely with the border patrol folks because um, he wanted to make sure he could really help to solve this if it was possible. So when they were doing this, there's actually a picture that's out there published. I believe it still might be on Jim's website if it's still up. But there was a a family. It looked as if a family was behind him. He was taking like a selfie picture, and you could see the wall that had these openings, and his family was walking along. But it wasn't just a a typical uh, family. You would see like a man, a woman, and kids. There were a few men, and there was a woman, and there was a small child. Okay, so as these people, they just were walking right at Brandon Judd and and Jim. They were coming across the border, just doing their thing. Totally knew that they wouldn't get stopped. Okay, the Border Patrol were there to protect Jim and Brandon and stuff like that. So they weren't just going to scoop these people up and do it. And when they got closer and closer, Brandon looked at Jim and said, I want you to yell as loud as you can. Anything when they come right up close to us, right when they're passing, just scream out. loud. He's like, what? He goes, just do it. I want you to see what happens. So these people come walking by, and Jim is a big man, and he's got this thundering voice, and he let it have it, right? And every the, the adults kind of were started a little bit and just kind of looked at him. The kid barely moved, okay, like he didn't even flinch. So they continue to walk, and he, Brandon says, hey, let's go. We're going to follow these people. So they follow him, okay? They get into their patrol vehicles, and they give him some space, and they, and they knew they were being followed. Okay, so they go up over this hill and they come down. They and Brandon stops at the top of the hill, and these men, okay, that I would say were military age, well conditioned men from wherever, okay, and the female climb into two to three SUVs that were waiting there. Black SUVs are waiting, and the child got into a small school bus, a little blue school bus, and they went in opposite directions. And Jim's like, what's this happened? He goes, well, I don't know who those people were, but you saw who they are. You saw the demographic and whatever as they're coming into the country. They're, they're gone. They're over the border. They're into the country now. The young child is going to be bused back over the border and come with the next group. Because when they had the child with them, it creates a certain sympathetic perspective as it relates to people being apprehended and things like that. So it's different. So they use them. And he said the reason the kid didn't respond is because they drugged them. That they don't run away, that they don't have an emotion, they don't do whatever, and they just, they're just like this, they just use them, and over and over and over again to bring people across the border. You hear that stuff, and this wasn't made up. This was witnessed by a man that I trust and see, and he had a picture of it, like he was holding it up and doing it. So those are the kind of crazy things that are happening. One night, when I, when I was chairman, one night, one of our ranchers that are along the border just in his ranch, I mean, they're big ranches, 700 people were apprehended one night okay, on his border. This is when we had some border enforcement. So think about it, 700 people on one guy's property, 
that has a ranch. Think about everywhere else. He said he had they had to drive there, and you can hear this from a lot of our cattle ranchers and stuff that are down there along the border. They have to mend their fences every single day because people will cut them. Sometimes you just see footprints coming through. A lot of times you see big vehicles, heavy vehicles by the depth of the tracks. And so it is It is so beyond the comprehension of many people in our country. You feel it being in Arizona. You've seen it. And one of the things that blew my mind, too, learning this, again, from the FBI and our DEA and stuff, just being close to a lot of law enforcement, is that Tempe, Arizona is one of the number one drug distribution areas in the whole United States. So as it comes across to the border, it's a staging distribution area where they just, you know, all the drugs go back out around the country. So having a secure border allows you to have interior enforcement, right? So if we want to deport somebody, they don't come back because there's no holes in the wall. They, we do this and that, and we try to stop the drugs. We try to stop this bad behavior, the human trafficking. We have to have some policies that stand in the way of all this bad actors. So that's why when you look at the Biden administration, they're like, Hey, 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 and he, remember Biden came on. I'll, I'll play a clip here in a second, maybe after the break, <clears throat> where Biden actually comes out and says, I'll never build one more foot of wall for Donald Trump. Well, the public voice is putting so much pressure. It looks like they're allocating dollars toward the building of the wall around Yuma. There's uh, some extension area that they want to finish it off because there's such a massive problem there. <coughs> Excuse me. And so here's the article that I wanted to share with you right now as it relates to the border dynamics. And some of you will say, well, it's about time and this, that, and the other. But here's the reality. The border, as it stands, is a federal issue. Okay? So just recognize that. Okay? So you've got our states doing our state thing, and you've got the, and you've got the um, uh, government going to do what they can do by way of statute and under the law. Right? And so here's, here's something great. So here's the headline. Arizona governor begins sealing gaps. In border wall with shipping containers topped with razor wire. No construction costs, whatever. They're going to be there. I mean, there's shipping costs, whatever. They take these things and they'll place them. If you look online, you actually see some of the pictures of these. These are great big shipping containers. They're about the size of a semi-truck bed, right? So the, the trailer that they have. And they're taking it and they're placing in these open areas with the razor wire, what have you. It's not going to be the perfect solution. But the federal government's not going to fill the holes. The state's got to find some way to budget and do it. And quite honestly, I'm very curious what's going to happen to those containers. Is is the federal government going to come in and just rip them out of the ground and take them and drive them away? That's likely what's going to happen. So we'll see. But that will add more controversy to this. And then when we come back, you're going to hear this little clip where Biden says, I will not build one more foot of that wall. And then you'll hear what's actually happening. So we get back from the break. You're going to hear it firsthand. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, and we were just talking about our border, our southern border, and all the dynamics that are happening down there. And really, what's interesting is you've got Ducey, and this is something that's interesting. I don't know if everybody's heard these things, but Governor Ducey and then Abbott in Texas, what they've done is pretty remarkable, too, where we get all these, like, drop stations where we have a whole bunch of undocumented illegal people that come into the country, and they're just dropping them throughout the U.S., Right. And Arizona has a number of places that are big drop areas. Texas does as well. And what Arizona and what Texas are doing, they're basically putting them on buses and they're shipping them to D.C. and New York City, to their drop stations. These are sanctuary cities. They're saying, look, if you want to protect them, you want to have them, you take them. And they're sending them along. And you can imagine uh, D.C. and New York City 
are freaking out because they don't know how to manage this influx. Well, this is nothing relative to what we're experiencing here in Arizona, but it is, again, another solution that's putting pressure on people that have politics that are so humane, supposedly, and they're letting them deal with them, and they're seeing really what the issues are when these people come into this country without much to say or much to have. So going to the break, I talked a little bit about uh, kind of Biden's flip-flop. If you recall, when he was running for President of the United States, he said he was not going to continue building the wall. But hear, hear from his word or his mouth himself here on Hannity. Breaking news tonight on our southern border where the Biden administration now has reportedly approved a plan to complete a section of border wall near Yuma, Arizona. Now, this comes as Biden's border disaster is getting worse by the day. But Joey himself, remember, he said during the campaign he'd never build another foot of Trump's wall. Take a look. Trump campaigned on um, build that wall. Are you willing to tear that wall down? No, I'm, there will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. And it was failing press secretary Karine Jean-Pierre who tweeted to President Trump in 2019, quote, where are the pesos for your bigoted wall? She shouldn't say that about Joe. Now, of course, border walls are effective. It's a deterrent to stop illegal immigrants who are now even overwhelming Democratic-run areas like New York and Washington, D.C. But, of course, Muriel Bowser, D.C. mayor, uh, the new mayor of New York, Eric Adams, they're just getting a small glimpse of what border towns are suffering day in and day out under the Biden administration. Their open borders, united sanctuary states of American policies. Uh, is it possible that Governor Abbott's policies of sending illegals to D.C. has actually worked. It's definitely giving people perspective. And that that's the whole thing. I mean, again, it is really easy from afar to say, hey, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. It's the humane thing. But when you when you when you bring people into a country and they don't have capacity to survive, look, I'm going to share an example that my wife and I had if, if I have time to do it um, in Utah. And it was a um, in the airport there. And it was, uh, I would say, more than just kind of. It was an experience that um, was pretty saddening, and it was somebody that was undocumented that they bought an airplane ticket for from Arizona to Salt Lake City. He had no idea where he was going, what to do, didn't know how to speak the language, and he gets stuck. Okay, And he, he was holding on to us, trying to find his way out of the airport, and we just couldn't help. And so this is what we've got. Is that humane? I don't think so. We'll be back after the break. I've got a great guest coming, Jonathan Williams. With rich dad, uh, rich states, poor states. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.